This weekend we begin our season of Advent, Advent, very obviously. And at the beginning of our season of Advent, we also begin our new liturgical year. And so in some ways we could tell one another, Happy New Year. But also it's a good opportunity for us to take stock of where we have been and where we are going from here as well. In a sense to do an examination of, of our past year and to see if we are closer to Christ since last beginning of Advent or if we are farther away. And then to make a resolution to do better. I love our, our we will spend a lot of time in the prophet Isaiah throughout the season of Advent. And I love this image that Isaiah uses uh, today in our reading. He says, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain to the house of the God of Jacob. If we think of the liturgical year, we ought not think of it as linear, as a beginning and an end, but we ought to think about it as kind of a, a circular, a cylindrical, or even as a mountain, as Isaiah does in our first reading. And when we think about climbing a mountain, we usually think about going back and forth on a mountain in order to get to the top, kind of the paths going all over the place. But if we think about the liturgical year in, in the sense of thinking about it as a, as a mountain or a, or a cylinder, we want to think about going around, around the, entire, the entirety of it so that we start at one place and when we go all the way around it, we come back to the same place. But if we are doing the things that we know that we need to do in our spiritual life, we ought not be at the exact same place when we come back around it. We actually ought to be higher. We ought to be closer. And seeing this mountain as God's mountain and getting closer and closer to God as we climb this mountain, we ought to every day and every year begin to see how we are closer and closer to our God, that we are not getting farther away, that we're not tumbling off the mountain, but that we are actually climbing the mountain and climbing towards our God. The great spiritual masters in the life of the church often refer to the spiritual life as a mountain. And even the scripture, even the scriptures, Isaiah and the prophets, will refer to this climbing the mountain of the Lord of hosts in our spiritual life as we get closer and closer and closer to God. If you've ever climbed a mountain, you know that there's preparations that have to be made in order to climb a mountain. For instance, if we are to climb a mountain out in Colorado, because of the height and because of the storms that come in early in the afternoon, it's necessary to actually begin the climb of a mountain very early in the morning, oftentimes uh, right at the the beginning of dawn or even before dawn when it's still a little bit dark. And so we have to get to bed early the night before. We have to make sure that we drink plenty of water. We have to pack some protein, some snacks to make sure that we don't lose energy on the way up the the mountain. We have to make sure that we have plenty of water packed so that we can make sure that we make it to the top of the mountain. But not only those preparations the night before that we 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 have to make, we also have to, along the way, keep a tremendous amount of vigilance about where we are going on the path on the mountain. It's easy to, number one, get off the path. It's easy to actually, uh, uh, to not only get off the path, but to lose our way, but to slip on a rock. And so we have to be very careful about our footing along the path, along, along, the, way up, uh, along the way up the mountain. It could be very easy for us to not be paying attention, actually just to fall completely off the mountain. Sometimes the paths are real close to the edge. And if we're not watching where we are going, we could just walk right off the side of the mountain. 
And so all of these things require a tremendous amount of vigilance for us in that walk up the mountain. And I think when we, th- when we think about this, this aspect of climbing a mountain, I think what St. Paul says in our second reading today applies very well to our spiritual lives as well. Just like we have to keep watch and we have to be vigilant in our climb up the mountain, we have to keep watch and stay vigilant in our spiritual lives as well. St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, It is the hour now for you to wake to awake from sleep, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Our spiritual life requires a tremendous amount of vigilance. In our world today, with so many images that are being flashed at us throughout, throughout our day, throughout our life, it's necessary to be vigilant about the things that we are receiving. It's necessary for us to be vigilant about the conversations that we are having. It's necessary for us to, to then be vigilant about, okay, what did I hear or what am I saying? What are the images that I'm taking in? And to actually then process them in our mind and to give them to God to determine and to discern, okay, is this good for me or is this something that I kind of need to get out of my life and to get out of my mind? And then St. Paul goes on to kind of give us a list of things that we need to be vigilant about, sins that we really need to be aware of, things that we need to cast out of our lives. And he gives a list here in, in his letter to the Romans, but he gives another longer list in Galatians as well. It's kind of sins that actually pull us completely away from God. And so he says, let us then throw off the works of darkness. And this idea of darkness is always the signs of the absence of God or the absence uh, of Christ himself. And so he says, put on the armor of light. If we want to get the full aspect of what he's talking about in, for the armor of light, we can go to Ephesians chapter 6 and St. Paul lays out what the armor is that he is speaking about. But it's this armor of light. He wants us to put on Christ. He wants us to put on the light of Christ. One of the most beautiful images and one of the most beautiful liturgies that we celebrate in the life of the church is the Easter Vigil. And if you've ever been to the Easter Vigil, you know that we begin by lighting the fire outside of the church. We light the fire, we bless it, and then we light the brand new Easter candle that has been prepared for the Easter Vigil. As the Easter candle represents the light of Christ, it represents Christ's resurrection. And so we actually then, after lighting that Easter candle, blessing the fire, we process into a dark church. And as we process into the dark church, the only light that typically is on, if, if, we, can, if we can get away without, with it, without people stumbling or, or hurting themselves, is just that one light. And that it's amazing how that one light from that candle actually casts a pretty good amount of light in a completely dark church. What's even more amazing about about that Holy Easter Vigil is that we then all are carrying candles and we begin to light each of our candles as we as we come into the church. And as more and more and more candles are lit, the church begins to light up. And it's this beautiful image of the fact that when more and more of us are walking the same path, climbing the same mountain, walking in our life in Christ, it actually lights up the entirety of the church. And if we think about this image in the entirety of the world, it begins to light up the entire world as well. And so we are called to put on this light so we become lights in the dark world, a world that is overcome by sin, a world that is overcome by the devil in many ways. And so we are meant to bring the light of Christ into those situations, into the lives of the people that we encounter. 
And especially in this season of Advent where we actually begin to celebrate and look towards the second coming of Christ, we need to be even more vigilant about it today. We need to be preparing people for their own end, for the fact that they will die one day and that they will face judgment from God. We also will face judgment from God. We also will come to our end. This is why St. Paul says, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Every moment we are getting closer and closer and closer to our death. We are getting closer and closer to that moment when we will be judged by God. And so it's necessary for us to be constantly vigilant about our life. What are we doing for God? What kinds of things are we taking into us? What kinds of things are we putting out? So we are growing closer to Christ. This list that St. Paul gives us, he says... Let us conduct ourselves properly as in the day. So living as people of the light, living uh, of the day, mean living in Christ. So not in orgies, not in drunkenness, not in promiscuity, not in lust, not in rivalry, not in jealousy. This list of sins is minimal compared to the list that he gives in Galatians. But these are all sins very much of the body, if you think about it, except maybe rivalry and jealousy. But it's amazing how much our desires actually pull us along and how much we are governed by our body and not governed by our soul and not governed by our spirit. And so it's necessary for us to constantly be on guard about those ways in which we can fall into temptation in the body, fall into the temptation into even, even into a gluttony, especially talking about Thanksgiving just a couple days ago. And how we continue to allow our body to rule us in many ways. When we talk about the sin of rivalry, if we look at our world today, the sin of rivalry is really pitting two sides against each other and causing a tremendous, tremendous amount of division. If you look in our country and in our world, there's a tremendous amount of division in our world today. There's a tremendous amount of division even in our church. We ought not to be the ones that partake in that. We ought not to be the ones that participate in the way in which we are going to continue to cause that division. And the way that division continues is that we talk about people. We gossip about people. We do, we speak about them in a manner that we don't need to be speaking about them. St. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Say only the good things that people need to hear. God gives us a mouth to bless to bring good to people. We need to strive really hard to watch what we say, to learn to build each other up, to not spend our life in conversation about other people and about the bad that they are doing, but to speak about their good. If we were to actually look at our conversations throughout a day, what would those conversations change to be like? If we were to actually listen to St. Paul, would we become mute because we have nothing to say? Because our entire conversation is about other people and about the bad things that they do? Luckily for most farmers, they spend their day in a tractor and they have nobody to talk to, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) But we need to be very, very conscious of what we are putting in and what we are putting out. To live according to the way of Christ. In the season of Advent, as we begin this new liturgical year, it's important for us to, in a sense, make a resolution. 
Christ is giving us the warnings in our gospel today that the end will come. The end of our lives individually, but also the end of the world will come as well, where we will be judged in our particular judgment and our death and at the general judgment when all people are judged and the resurrection of the body takes place. And so we have to be ready for that day. And so let's make a resolution about those areas of our life that we need to transform. Those areas of our life that need to be redeemed by God. Those areas of our life that maybe where we're struggling with a habitual sin. Let us make some real resolutions to actually overcome those sins. Not just an advent. Let's make these resolutions to actually grow in virtue. And virtue is something that becomes habitual. Let us make a resolution to put out vice and to strive to put on Christ so that we become virtuous, virtuous living in the light of Christ. Maybe it's something that it's just a bad habit that we have that actually causes a lot of angst in other people's lives, which is probably sinful if it's doing that. Not necessarily mortally sinful, but possibly venially sinful that then opens up, can open us up to a greater sin called a mortal sin. We need to root out that sin. We need to root out that bad habit. We need to root out that vice. So we can live together as a people of God and live as a people of light as we are intended to be. As the season of Advent begins and the time change and the way and the hemisphere in which we live, it gets darker and darker and darker throughout the season of Advent. And in many ways... The Advent wreath kind of resembles this darkness that enters in as we get closer and closer to Christmas. And so each week we light a new candle to represent how the world is getting darker and darker and darker. By the time that we get to Christ, we have the fullness of the light, Christ who enters into the world. And when Christ enters into the world, the days get longer and longer and longer so that we have more and more light again. The Advent wreath begins to symbolize that. And to remind us that we, when we are living in Christ and living as the people of God, we are that light. Taking what Christ has given us, especially in the sacraments and in the Eucharist, taking that into the world and being the light in our world today. Speaking blessing into people's lives, rooting out those sins that we have in our own lives, seeking out the sacrament of confession, especially during the season to prepare for the coming of Christ. These first two weeks of Advent are specifically dedicated to talking about the second coming. There's a kind of a a Greek word that actually speaks to this. The the word is parousia or perusia, depending on how you've heard it. But it speaks about the word parousia is literally the coming of Christ and the end of the world, the second coming. And when we begin to think about the second coming and we look at the readings There's a lot of fear that can be instilled within us when we begin to think about the end of the world. It ought not to spark fear if we know that we are living in God. It ought to spark a renewal within us, a renewal of a desire to live fully for God and live our lives for the glorification of God and the edification of one another. So that we are bringing Christ's light into the world to dispel the darkness and to live as a people of hope that Advent intends for us to live, to live in Christ and for Christ alone.